Thanks for coming back, Free Rocky Nation. At this point in Season 2, I hope you understand that retaliation for First Amendment activity is illegal. Whistleblower reporting of malfeasance and corruption is a protected First Amendment right. In the Illinois Department of Corrections, most prisoners will not stand up to the administration and rights violations. My father stands on his rights. He does not ask for anything he does not have coming by law. He refuses to bow down and become subservient. The inmates need a guy with a backbone to keep the playing field fair. While my dad advocates on the inside, I advocate on the outside. Now, prepare yourselves for Season 2, Episode 11, From East Moline to Pinckneyville. Before Dad left East Moline, he had to pack up his property. Remember that inmates and their property are shipped separately during transfers. An East Moline inmate worker told my dad that the sergeant in the property office, McBride, had intentionally smashed Dad's television via hitting the TV on the corner of McBride's desk. The inmate described it as, quote, an act of rage when McBride learned that my dad had beat the threats and intimidation ticket, end quote. My father filed a civil suit against the First Amendment retaliatory acts at East Moline. The suit is now in court. U.S. Central District Peoria at Harris v. C. Brannon et al. 419-CV-04235-JES. dash dash it is just like the case he won in summary judgment regarding Danville Correctional Center. Danville Correctional Center case was Harris versus Calloway. Just like at Danville, the prison administration gave Dad a disciplinary transfer from the East Moline Correctional Center to Pinckneyville Correctional Center on November 6, 2019. On November 7, 2019, one day after Dad arrived to Pinckneyville's segregation unit, the Illinois Department of Corrections Administrative Review Board dismissed all charges and punishment. Pinckneyville Correctional Center kept Dad in segregation an additional six days until the 13th before they released him from segregation. November 13th was like any other day in the naked house, the jail inside the jail, i.e. segregation. Around 7.50 a.m., the wing officer came to my dad's cell. He said, Harris, pack it up. You are out of here, as in leaving segregation. We are going to the front of the deck. Your property will be there. Change clothes and throw your segregation uniform in the laundry bin. When you get to the property desk, the lieutenant is going to be there. Keep your mouth shut or you'll be right back in this segregation cell. My dad had no idea what had changed. All he knew was he was leaving segregation. Something had changed in his favor. When my dad arrived at the property office, his large property box was on the floor. He opened it and found his two regular sets of state blue uniforms. He took off the segregation jumpsuit and got dressed. While he was dressing, the large white lieutenant came to the property office door. The lieutenant posted up in front of my father and said, Hey boy, I want to know how a punk like you got this ticket thrown out. You put out a hit on the warden. We do not take that type of crap lightly here. Why was your ticket expunged, inmate? My dad responded, I am just as surprised as you are, sir. I don't know. I was just told to pack it up a few minutes ago. This took the wind out of the lieutenant. He grumbled, Get your shit together and get the fuck out of my building. 
My dad was out in population, housed in the two-house building. He remained there for only a few weeks until December 11th. On the morning of December 11th, 2019, a wing officer told my dad to pack his property. Dad went back to Five House, the segregation building. Dad was being placed in administrative segregation housing. Administrative segregation typically houses inmates for the inmate's own safety. The inmate is not being punished per se. Inmates in administrative segregation are usually jailhouse snitches and or pedophiles. Since dad had only recently moved to Pinckneyville, he now appeared to the rest of the population to be a snitch. He moved to 5B22. That would be House 5, B Wing, 22 cell. A segregation cell that came with limited privileges. He was totally secluded from general population. Since dad wasn't in actual segregation, he got a cellmate. The new cellmate was a Hispanic prisoner with a 50-year murder conviction. I'm not simply repeating what my dad told me here. I looked up this guy for myself. Not only did he have a murder conviction, he was blacklisted. Remember when I mentioned blacklisted inmates before? This guy was known for causing fights with his cellmates. He was not supposed to be housed with another prisoner. My dad described him as mentally disturbed. This guy was hiding out in the administrative segregation wing because he had ratted on his fellow Latino inmates. If this guy were out in population, the Latin gang members would have mopped the floor with his face. This guy was stepping and fetching for the man, i.e. doing the administration's bidding. This guy picked fights with his cellies, who the placement office would strategically house with him. Then the cellmate would hit this guy. The cellmate would then be charged with assault and placed in maximum security segregation housing. This guy doing time for murder would not be charged with anything. Another convict manipulating the system in his favor. Guys who had been on the wing for a while schooled my dad on this dude's game. Being housed with this murderer was a setup to get a charge on my dad to force dad to fight. Once my dad told me about this guy and the setup, I called the prison. I was not able to get the warden on the phone that day because she was, quote, busy and they were, quote, shorthanded that day, end quote. I let the officer on the phone know that I was aware of my father's dangerous housing situation. I also let the officer know that my father had put in two requests to move to a different cell. This officer told me that, quote, he was not aware of my father's desire to change cells. If my father had indeed filled out a request to move, that request would have come across his desk, end quote. Was this a lie? Yes, yes it was. I continued to play dumb. I said, I understand that you guys are short-staffed and busy. I just didn't want my father's request to sit on a desk under some random stack of papers. If you could look for it and get him moved before something serious happens, I would really appreciate it. On December 28th, 2019, my dad moved to the receiving building where the newly arriving inmates are housed. He was alone in the cell with all his privileges restored. In my dad's next phone call to me, he thanked me for getting him moved. He sounded so relieved. On January 2nd, 2020, my dad went on a court writ transfer to Illinois River Correctional Center. This type of transfer occurs when an inmate has to attend court and the courthouse is near a different prison. 
after the court date, the inmate returns to his regular prison. Before the court writ transfer, my dad had to pack up his property for storage at Pinckneyville. For this transfer, my father had to bring his property to the property office and pack it in front of an officer. The property officer, Bailey, did not like my father and said as much to my father's face. He told my dad that he, quote, did not like litigators, end quote. He tried to break my father's typewriter. The Swintec typewriter factory in China had burnt down, so the typewriter was like gold. They could not be replaced at this time. Bailey knew there was no better way to mess with the prisoner. During his stay at Pinckneyville, Dad replaced all the property stolen during his transfer from East Moline. He had replaced the broken television, commissary food, clothing, and cosmetics. All this property filled a large property box. Bailey made my dad empty this property box and put the typewriter in it. The typewriter was not supposed to go in a property box. It was supposed to go back into its original packaging. It took up two-thirds of the space in that large property box. Some of the property that had been in the large property box no longer fit. Whatever could not fit, Dad was forced to mail to me. Here, we had the property officer violating the administrative code and improperly packing an electronic in hopes of breaking it. Dad spent two weeks at the Illinois River Correctional Center. He went to the Peoria Federal Court Building and tried to settle the Harris v. Calloway and Campbell case from Danville. It was not settled, so a jury trial to determine the damages was set. The court writ transfer ended and my father returned to Pinckneyville January 15, 2020. The same day that my dad returned to Pinckneyville, he picked up his stored property. The typewriter still worked. Dad was at Pinckneyville Correctional Center from November 6, 2019 to February 5, 2020. Pinckneyville Correctional Center is known as a, quote, punishment prison, end quote. Although it is technically a medium security institution, the administration runs it like a maximum security institution. Dad was not supposed to be here at all. Illinois Department of Corrections Director Jeffries agreed that keeping Dad housed at Pinckneyville Correctional Center was part of the disciplinary transfer from the ticket that had been expunged. This incorrect housing was illegal. Like I said, as Dad advocates on the inside, I advocate on the outside. I wrote a letter to Director Jeffries about this entire Pinckneyville situation. Jeffries' second-in-command, Deputy Director Simmons, answered my letter with a phone call. He asked me where I wanted Dad to go. I told him Illinois River Correctional Center. On February 4th, 2020, Dad was told to pack up and that he was being transferred. On February 5th, he was at Illinois River Correctional Center. For two weeks, Dad's property was MIA after the transfer. When Dad went to pick up his property at Illinois River, he was again robbed of all his food, clothing, and cosmetics. His television stand was broken. The typewriter in his large property box was wrapped in some large sweatpants that weren't even dad's sweatpants. They had come from the garbage. My father had to again replace all his stolen and damaged property. He filed a grievance on the theft and won. He was reimbursed for the cost of his property, but was only awarded one third of the worth of property stolen from him.
Listen to the Free Rocky Nation on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, and most anywhere you can get your podcast. Email us with your questions, comments, or experiences at freerocky at freerockynation.org. Don't forget to visit our blog at freelarryrockyharrisx2.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash larryrockyharris1959. Buy my dad's books on Amazon. You'll find titles such as Never Ending Nightmare, chronicling his sham trial that brought him the 65-year sentence, 100 Filthy and Raunchy Jailhouse Jokes, 100 More Filthy and Raunchy Jailhouse Jokes, and The Prisoner's Guide to Filing a Winning Grievance.